Hello and welcome to another edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. My name is Andy Warren and I'm joined by my good pal, Stuart Watson. Um, Stu, how, how are your nerves? Have they have they settled? It, it took a fair while for me to settle down after Tuesday and I, I got home and I ended up playing football manager till three o'clock in the morning. Just 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 buzzing from buzzing from football, not sure if the nerves were intact. Um, there's four more of these. Yeah, I was up till late Tuesday as well. I never, I can never sleep after night games anyway. Where our, our adrenaline is always up anyway because of tight deadlines and everything we're doing work-wise. But throw into the mix that sort of game as well. You're right. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a nervy old night, but a magical night as well. I think one that we'll look back on. Weirdly, reference that night. I think more than say a Charlton 6-0 I know Kieran McKenna said afterwards that that was all all the more sweeter and more satisfying the nature of that win and I'd agree with him I mean everything around that penalty the build-up to it the noise that came after it was um that's going to live long in the memory that I've watched so I'm, I'm sure you're the same I think I've watched every different kind of fan shot camera angle of that penalty that's been been going around a particular favorite of mine that I've watched over and over again was the one shot by shot by the club and I've watched the bit where Harry Clark actually won the penalty I must have watched it about 400 times um watching 400. him kind of it's probably a bit much if you're all right picky probably about 30 times <laughs> is that is that all right um, I've watched it so many times just um Clark kind of not while everybody else in the in the stadium was appealing for for penalty number one, which probably should have been a penalty two, um, he didn't put an extra one in. And, and if you have an eagle eye, when when he actually do, does what win the penalty with the second one, you can see um, into the director's box, and you can see Mark Ashton very very clearly. He was very happy that that penalty mm. was awarded. Um, there's a lot of people inside that ground going through the ringer at the moment, and he's obviously obviously one of them but um some great footage going around and i think you're probably right mate i think um if this ends how we all want it to end this is one of the landmarks isn't it this will be one of the landmark nights that that's talked about along the way yeah let's not get carried away too far ahead of ourselves yet there is work to be done no doubt about it um but it's trending a certain way at the moment and it's impossible not to feel good about what this team is doing. Um, I don't think there's going to be looking at the final four fixtures. There's no kind of Port Vale type tests, I would suggest, going forwards. Barnsley and Peterborough away are obviously what, what they are. Teams at the top end of the table that are going to be on their home turf that are going to hopefully try and engage in a bit of a football match. Exeter, I think, hopefully will fall into the same bracket as, say, a Charlton or a Shrewsbury a team that are safe in mid-table, have certain playing principles. Um, so I can't see them being a sort of a famous large word, sort of deep, low block frustration night. And then, I don't know about Fleetwood away on, on the final day, but Port Vale was... the the. The banana skins this season have been that sort of football match, haven't they? It was flashbacks as that first half went on. Certainly as we got to half time, it was flashbacks to uh, Lincoln in particular. Um, 
Fleetwood, Cheltenham, those games. Um, and this is just more proof that um, that Ipswich have got better as the seasons have got as, as the season has gone on, and, they, and they've got the answer to uh, to these sort of challenges. Yeah, that, that's the most easy, pleasing thing about it, isn't it? That that we've seen that test been kind of put in front of Ipswich on the exam table this season. They've not not always passed it. They have on occasion. They haven't mm. always, but but this Ipswich, this Ipswich that are are motoring in at a really important point in the season, we're able to we're able to find a way. Yes, on on paper, Ipswich had the easiest game of the four automatic promotion contenders on on Tuesday night you'd say the other three were away but I think I think Kieran McKenna was always pretty aware that it, it wouldn't prove to be another mm. Charlton I think he I think that was very much part of their prep wasn't it which um yeah I think externally it's very easy for everyone to have got carried away and look at that on paper I think it was not just Portsmouth Portsmouth I do this all the time Port Vale's form um and position in the table, but it was more the fact that they just sacked their manager, they got a caretaker, they had three players suspended. All that kind of added into the fact that yeah, this will be no no problems for Ipswich um tonight. And and it might it may well have gone that way had Freddie Ladapo's glancing header and what on 25 seconds gone in. It might have been another one of those games, but I actually think that the manner in which they won this game will do them some more favours going forwards because this is a bit of muscle memory now for them to call upon to know that when the chips are down that when things are going against them they have got that ability to come back in matches yeah um it's the one it's the it's the the gritty win you wanted from the charlton game but just a few just a few days later it doesn't matter when it doesn't matter when they get it but they've got that like you say, that the club's in the bag. The tool is uh the tool is in the on the workbench now I'll i'll correct myself a little bit on the kind of Earlier in the season, they weren't winning these sort of games and they are now because they're a better team. I think there is an element to that. They are a better team. Nathan Broadhead obviously was was the man of the night and his quality and his coolness was the difference. Ultimately, would they have won like the Lincoln game earlier in the season with him in the side, for example? P- possibly. But also, they got not the rubber, the green, because it was, it was a nailed-on penalty. But earlier in the season, those games that we've referenced... They created tons of chances in those matches. They had penalty appeals in those matches that didn't go their way. The law of averages suggests that, you know, if you have that amount of pressure in those sort of games, that that you'll win more more often than not. Um, so, yeah, I was I was trying to stay reasonably calm during that game. We kind of the crowd was starting to get a little bit edgy in the second half, and we, you know, you and I turned to each other and said, "There's still a long, long time to go in this game." As as well as Port Vale were defending, if you start time wasting from, I think the, it started from like ten ten minutes on, and you're defending so deep and bodies on on the mm. line, sort of defending. There was a feeling that you you know you'll do very very well like Lincoln to kind of get all the way to the end of of a match uh, intact and I just felt like yeah Ipswich had the the quality and the fitness and the calmness about them that that it, that pressure would eventually would eventually tell it eventually did um, should we just quickly talk about the first half and and why that went the way that it did as you say. Um, could have been very different after 20 25 seconds a flashed header 
from Ladapo wide. They came out the block. They had all the endeavours of that Charlton game where they, they came storming out the blocks. But for whatever reason, that early goal didn't come. And that, that I guess, just kind of enabled... Um, Enabled Port. I almost said Portsmouth as well. They are mm. catching, catching it. They almost they, they kind of felt enabled then, didn't they, to to start doing what they wanted to do? And you're right. The time wasting. The goalkeeper got spoken to after about nine minutes, and it, it took only took another fifteen for him to end up in the book. So, um, it it wasn't it wasn't great, was it? But I, but Ipswich played. I think they played better in the first half in this than they did maybe in some of those other ones that where it didn't happen for them. I, I, I was quite impressed with their patience, Ipswich. I think they've they'd learnt some lessons. Maybe I thought there was a real good patience about town. It just it just didn't happen in terms of the goal. Yeah, it wasn't like they were just sort of passing the ball about in in their own half, and they were trying to do the right things. There was the the odd little sharp one-two. They were trying to work it left to right. They were mixing it up and going over the top. They were. Port Vale just defended really well, and it's that you know they had a back five, four in front of them. The striker was dropping right, right in as well. It was eleven men behind the ball. They were the whip for the penalty box, and as Kieran McKenna says, you can be any side in world football. That is very difficult to break down because there's just no space to operate in. Um, so I'd give credit to Port Vale, and to be fair to them. They had a few moments on the counter-attack as well. They had that one moment up the left where the ball got cut back and, and the shot, I think, clattered into Burgess in, inside the box. And um, and it felt like the perfect storm when they went and scored a really good goal in uh, in stoppage time. Well, the one that concerned me was that it came out of the hands of the goalkeeper and straight through to kind of, I think it was Burgess again, got got pinned with a, with a Port Vale player and Walton came out for it. That, that one was... That one started to make me feel a bit nervous when when that happened. And yeah, they did score a really good goal in the end. Not an awful lot wrong. I think I think the phrase you used in in your um your summing up for for the morning after the game um, was not really a goal that needs to be picked to pieces. And I think that's probably that's probably right. Other teams are allowed to score good goals, and and, and it turns out actually other teams are allowed to score goals at Portman Road. We'd forgotten that 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 was even part of the game. Um, it was the a good first one, wasn't one it? since Sheffield Wednesday, since yeah. Ipswich's goal's been been breached at Portman Road. Um, yeah, I looked back through it. Broadhead might have nicked the ball um, earlier in the move. A uh, couple of little moments, but ultimately it's it boils down to um, a really good finish from Mal Benning, who kind of intercepts Harry Clark's pretty decent header out of the box. It didn't lack for power, did it? it he sticks out a foot, it loops up in the air and then swivels and um, hits a, a really sweet, sweet left-footed volley that um, bounces a couple of times and, and goes right in the in the bottom right-hand corner. I don't think you can uh, lay any blame at Christian Walton's door for that one. No, I no, I wouldn't at all. Um, I hadn't quite. I don't. I don't think I quite appreciated quite how late in the day of the first half that was on the night. It, uh, yeah, um, it was very deep in stoppage time, wasn't it? Almost like I remember thinking a few minutes earlier that actually now I would just take town being level at the break, and, and then then they weren't a few a few little boos on the way on the way yeah. off to to, to the halftime dressing room, which um, I don't think were, were hugely. Not warranted. sure what that's all about. I don't know if, if I'm making excuses or that were they aimed at the referee. I didn't think the referee was kind of a factor in that first half. Maybe. 
you don't know what the what what the thinking was behind some of those was that because they wanted the referee to deal with some of the time wasting was some of it aimed at Port Vale's kind of anti-football tactics a little bit or was it just a bit of frustration slash surprise that hang on this isn't supposed to happen we we win games and we blow teams away I don't know but I, if it is that latter not not very sensible given uh, what Ipswich are dishing up for us at the moment um, I think that's no. probably the diplomatic way of putting it no um, it all led to a pretty sort of tense feeling half time but I, the, the great thing about this is is that they scored so quickly at the start of the second half. In actual game time, there really wasn't much time between the the Port Vale goal and the and the the first equaliser there, um, which was which was massive, I think, because you know the the longer that went on, the more the more problematic the game would have become. But I think was it was it fifty three something like that Broadhead's, yeah. Broadhead's goal and look. That gave Ipswich more than half an hour to try and to try and find a second one. So um, a really good goal when it came, though that equaliser, really nice, really nice little finish. And I, and I like the way that Burns changed changed the pace of the attack. Like I, I think at, at times earlier in the season we were talking about the ball being funneled wide and then looking for that perfect cutback. This this wasn't that. That was a, a change change the pace of the attack a little bit and maybe take the the Vale defence by surprise a little bit with that ball in, um, which made yeah. It, yeah, when when you're facing a sort of an organised defence that is fairly well set, speed is of the essence, isn't it? To kind of don't allow them to be set in positions so readily. And and uh, yeah, Wes Burns just just got the ball into the box a little bit earlier. It was a, a sort of a bouncing low cross, wasn't it? Really um, nice bit of late movement from Broadhead to get across his marker and um, a, a lovely finish, a little little swivel and just sort of guided it guided it across the goalkeeper. Um, as you say, really in real time, we've gone from forty-five plus two behind to level on on fifty-three, which I think was really important to kind of nip any anxiety and nerves in the stadium out of the air. Ipswich have been really, really good at responding to goals. They've obviously not trailed for very long this entire season. They rarely concede the first goal. I went back through it. They've actually. You know, I was looking from going behind to equalising. I started making a list of them. It's like 13 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I think the longest they've trailed in a game was when they lost at Wickham. And that was 50 minutes where they weren't able to equalise after after conceding the goal. But the rest of the time, they're sort of, they're, they're low numbers. Um, 221 minutes all, all total that they've actually been behind in terms of game time this season. 221 minutes over the course of 40, what are we at, 42 games. That's yeah. um, that's quite something. It's pretty staggering. And they've only they've still only lost four games all season. They're, not only are they they're sort of streets ahead in terms of goal difference and goals scored and and things like that, they're just an all-round really good football team, aren't they? And, and were it not for that prolonged sort of up and downs spell of the four wins in 15 that we spoke about previously this this season would feel very very different right now if were it not for that spell but they're an incredibly good football team and incredibly good football teams find ways to win Stu um a lot of pressure um on that Port Vale goal still some Port Vale threat down the other end but more and more Ipswich um and eventually it came did you start to think that it wouldn't because I because I did it, I'd started to th- come to the realization that might not might not come tonight but it 
but it did. Yeah, time end. time was ticking. They they were obviously getting more chances once it got to one one. Um, as I said, I just felt that surely Lightning couldn't strike twice. That a team couldn't kind of see it out. But because we had those reference points of the games from at home earlier in the season, we knew it could happen. And of course, once you get to the final five minutes of the game, you you start to to fear the worst. You knew there was going to be a decent amount of stoppage time to come as as well because of all the, all the time wasting. Um, so I never sort of completely lost faith, even when we got into to the latter stages because it was trying to do the right things they were starting to get some openings broadhead had that header over the bar um i thought luongo was really good i thought he was a bit of a driving presence that was was getting them sort of through the lines and, and up the field um when kyle edwards came on i kind of felt like that was a sort of kyle edwards type game he's um been quite lively off off the bench of late so that gave me a little bit of hope as well so never completely lost the faith um can't say I'm probably alone in that. I'm sure that there was a lot of uh, nerves, people who were far more invested emotionally than I probably, um, you know, um, that were that were worried about that. And then, and then, of course, we get to the uh, to the penalty moment. Like, like I said, mate, I've watched particularly the way that it was won, not four hundred, maybe yeah. thirty, maybe thirty times. Um, but like, just watching. That particular angle that the club got, um, one, showed that both were penalties and two, just the emotion going on around around the stadium and like, yeah. the shout of like football stadiums appealing for handballs. Three it's, times. It's, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really... just two. I didn't realise there was actually a third one and it's, they're all on Benning as well, aren't they? He's the same mm. player. Um, yeah, three times the ball sort of hits him. I think pretty clearly on on the arm, and each one is is a stronger penalty appeal, isn't it? The first one, I'm, I'm not sure you're going to get. The second one, he's sort of sliding on the floor. They might have got away with that one, but the third one, no doubt about it at all. But the best thing, I don't know if you've seen Max Rush, Max Rushton, the uh, journalist, uh, talk sport presenter, um, former soccer AM. He, he's he's um, shared it on Twitter this morning, just with the word handball. Uh, three times and you can hear the crowd appeal for each one of them louder and louder each time that was just almost like a force of will that kind of created that and you're right if you watch the footage back you can kind of pick out a different player's reaction each time to hone in on Harry Clark in particular is very animated my favorite one is Sam Morsey who's kind of stood right next to the referee exactly the same view and he, on the third appeal, he, he knows that one's got to be given. He actually puts his hand to his mouth as if he's whistling. And you watch him, he kind of mimics the referee and points to the spot as if he's kind of awarding it himself. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, I think my favourite was Luke Wolfenden, who came, who came steaming in from his position, which pretty much was playing as a central midfielder for most of the evening in the second half, Luke. But he comes steaming in, ready to kind of berate the referee for not giving it, but then quickly realises that, Actually, no, he has given it, and then uh, then starts starts celebrating it. I do think Clark deserves some real credit for not appealing for the second one because so many players do start appealing yeah. for these. Because, but if he had, he wouldn't, have, he, he wouldn't have put the ball in that actually won it in the end. So I think yeah. I think he deserves some some credit from that, but not quite as much credit as Nathan Broadhead, who I don't know how you would keep your your nerve in that situation with a. a you know that there are 30,000 people pretty much in that football stadium 
silently now watching you kick the ball once. Uh, hopefully going to score and just just bring the promotion race kind of right back into view for Ipswich. But he did it. Um, and he we spoke to him afterwards and he didn't actually seem that kind of bothered that he'd done it just like yeah just business mate almost a little bit bemused that we were asking how did yeah. you keep your nerve there was such a long delay what was going through your head and um he's a man of a few words is Nathan Broadhead when we've spoken to him and I think he's just someone that didn't really overthink it he's just well, I'm playing football and the other week I asked him after he'd come back from Wales scored and his debut was doing really well for Ipswich this must be the most confident you felt is this the form of your life and he sort of went no I don't know don't think so and just to sort of really quite blase about it I just like playing football and um that ability to kind of not not overthink which I think is just sort of natural for him you've either got that or you haven't um really played into his hands because that was um that penalty would have been difficult enough as it was without all of the antics of the Port Vale players one of their players, I think it was um, one of their midfielders at twenty nine. I can't remember his name. Sat down on the on the edge of the box. I think sort of feigning a bit of cramp enough to kind of stop delay that. Then the referee had to kind of give instructions as to where the ball could exactly be placed because the, the spot was scuffed up and um, that was a long. That felt like a long wait. I haven't actually looked back at it in terms of what it was in seconds, but in real time, that felt like an age, didn't it? Yeah, and um, can't can't be can't be helpful. But um, maybe the maybe these people are just built built differently, aren't they? He, I broad Broadhead kind of kept himself out of all of it. Like Connor Chaplin got booked in there for having a, a bit of a push at uh, Worrell, who who decided to chuck himself on the floor. Um, but I think Chaplin did a pretty good job of just protecting Broadhead a little bit and making allowing the taker to stay to stay out of things, which I, I guess helped, but it was a great penalty when it came, wasn't it? It was um, Ian Westlake on the, uh, on the I follow commentary. He was talking about, it, it, it's, is he going to dink it? It was like, yeah. please don't dink it. But, but I think he probably would have scored if he did, because all you need to do, if you're going to dink a penalty is for the keeper to dive. But um, he put it in the corner. That's the safest place, put it in the corner. And um, even if the keeper had gone, to his right, I don't know if he'd have saved that anyway because it was right no, in that side netting. Right in the side netting, wasn't it? Hell of a penalty in, in the circumstances. You could hear almost a pin drop. That stadium had been a, you know, you, you could feel something in the air throughout that night, whether it was roars of encouragement when Ipswich attacked and then there were these moments of sort of quiet um, anxiety where something didn't quite come off and, and you turned to me and said it's almost like the power had been pulled out of the stadium it would suddenly go flat and then everyone would try and like liven themselves up again we'd had it was just such an emotional night and then in those moments before that penalty it just went almost deathly silent and uh the contrast between that and then the explosion of noise when the ball hit the back of that net I'm sure there was a lot of people in the stadium that didn't even watch it probably just turned away uh, through nerves. I think Ian Westlake on commentary said that he didn't even watch it. Um, yeah, I've not heard a noise inside Portman Road quite like that, probably going back to the to Paul Anderson scoring against Norwich in, in the playoffs. Mm, I, I live a couple of miles, maybe a little bit over a couple of miles from Portman Road, and there are occasions where I'm, I've been made aware by my wife that you can hear Portman Road. Um, for, if the wind's going the right way, 
And I, I imagine this was she wasn't in, but I imagine this was probably probably one of those where it where it carries really nicely. But my favourite bit of the celebration, Stu, um, I've watched those a few times as well. Seen Wes Burns uh, grabbing crazy the horse again and again and again. Yeah, sort of ragdolls him a little yeah. bit. I think he's he's apologised now, hasn't he on on Twitter? Um, yeah, has, whenever a mascot's he? involved, yeah, it's just sorry, Look, crazy. You don't need to say crazy. Crazy wanted a bit of that, so that's why Crazy's put himself in there. So you don't need to apologise to the horse. Yeah, any mascot involved in a goal celebration is is great. Um, any goal celebration that involves a player jumping on top of the uh, advertising hoardings is great. Luke Wolfenden, uh, that's his go-to. He likes to stand there. Um, Sam Morsi, captain's head. Everyone else is enjoying that. He'd come over. He's basically trying to tell people to get back to halfway and switch on. I like to see that as well. Um, yeah, just just brilliant scenes, wasn't it? Yeah, I've I've seen the Luke Wolfenden thing go uh, go quite wrong in the flesh pre- previously. Um, there's a player that used to play for Feyenoord called called um, Jens Tunstra, who used to do that a lot. Um, but I went to a Feyenoord game and the board collapsed while he was on it, and he uh, he twisted his ankle and went off. Uh, so um, I'm sure that, the I'm sure the Portman Road boards are made of sterner stuff, though. They they probably cost a few quid, didn't they? They did the new digital boards, but um, yeah, um, that's that's a yeah, that's fine with me, Luke. Just yeah, mm. just be a little bit careful with that, but um. You're right, though. It's his thing, isn't it? He's done that a few, done that a few times. Yeah, he loves it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it just felt like it, we did our video sort of hours after the final whistle. By the time we we done press conferences, spoken to to Kieran to Nathan, written all the various bits that we've done, it's normally a, a little while after the final whistle that we record our videos. So you don't get the rawest of reaction, but it's still. It, you're right. When we recorded it, it still felt like we were kind of settling down a little bit. That was um. A big, big night, and that felt like a, a big result, doesn't it? Because, um, yeah, we hoped that the other the other three teams, one of them, all of them being away from home, one of them would, would hopefully slip up. It looked like it might be more than one for a lot of the night. Um, it turned out to be just the one. Um, Barnsley held at Lincoln. I would suggest they're six points back now that that's probably them out of the top two race. Realistically, it's now three. Three fighting for two, but Plymouth just won't go away, will they? Yeah, that's well, that's absolutely huge for them, isn't it? To to dig out that so deep in stoppage time, ninety plus six to dig out, um, to dig out a win on the road is um, pretty remarkable. They must be feeling very, very good about themselves now. They've got three home games to come in a row as well, haven't they? Obviously, they slipped up at home against Lincoln, so they're not. They're not completely invincible on home on home turf, but with with kind of three, very rare to get a run of three home games at this time of the season. But they've got that coming now, and they must they must be feeling so tall. Um, yeah, after they're that, in, they're in the box seat. They're, them and them and us are in in the box seat, no doubt about it. Sheffield Wednesday have got their own kind of psychological battle internally going on at the moment, and they also now need others to slip up. Um, Plymouth, we talked about this result feeling like a significant one. If you can win, come from behind and win games, 
and come through those tests, that's what promotion teams are made of. Well, well Plymouth, you know, they've lost their star goalkeeper to injury. They've got thumped at Wembley in, in the final. They completely fell away at the back end of last season. So they had all those things going against them. Stephen Schumacher's right. Everyone's kind of been out of Plymouth will fade away. They won't keep the pace. And they've they keep proving people wrong. They've, they've come from behind, straight off the back of Wembley. They went behind early at Morecambe, scored a couple of late goals to come from behind and win. They've come from behind on Tuesday night at Shrewsbury, 90 plus six winner. Those are the sort of results that makes you think it's it's going to be your year. So I would say it's it's yeah, Plymouth, Plymouth and Ipswich are, are very much in the in the box seat at the moment. But um yeah, still work to be done. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm certainly I've I've spoken to a lot of Ipswich fans over the last twenty-four hours or so. You know, are you ready to start writing the we're getting promoted piece yet? Absolutely not. There's no way I'm gonna be doing anything prematurely <laughs> on this to start tempting fate um mate that would be so rogue if you started yeah. <laughs> if you started doing that now uh, yeah the doctor guarantees promotion uh, yeah <laughs> i tell you what i'm not comfortable with and i think you're you're the same is three times now three successive games we've had the fans singing about stand up if you're top of the league you know, Ipswich had scored in the 84th minute or whatever. Let's just, you've only got six minutes. Let's just wait and see, what, you know, what happens. Um, three times that has been true within games, Ipswich have been top and three times um, it's not finished that way. So maybe let's let's stop sort of tempting fate a little bit with those sort of uh, chance. I still had this slight fear that, you know, okay, look, come on. It's been an emotional old night, but let's just wait till the whistle blows before before we start that. <laughs> Oh mate, there's so many twists and turns in this. Before we move on to Peterborough, have you? Um, I assume you've seen some of the pictures that have been sent our way on the back of our post-match video on Tuesday night. Um, yes, the burglars from from Home Alone. Happy with that? Uh, I can't happy. I'm not sure, but I can't disagree with it at all. It's uh, it is uncanny. I'm I'm standing there with my uh, with my winter hat on. You're you're to the right of me, and uh, yeah. the the burglars from from home alone it's um yeah we've been called worse yeah the only trouble with it is i think we're the wrong way round in terms of in terms of height mm. that's that's the only that's that's our fault but that you're is it joe joe pesci isn't it that he plays the plays the one with the hat he's small i'm not i, I okay. that should be me but uh, there we are yeah can't argue with it um peterborough tough one yes. isn't it um, I know what you're depends, going to say. Depends which Peterborough turns up, to be honest. I mean, they seem to have gone sort of full Kevin Keegan, Newcastle under under Darren Ferguson, the latest guys of Darren Ferguson there, where they've decided attack is the best form of defence and, and we'll outscore you. I mean, is it going to be the Peterborough that lost 5-0 at home to Bolton or the Peterborough that beat Plymouth 5-2 at home? And you can go through other of those. They've lost 3-0 at home to Cheltenham and then a few days later went and scored five at Burton. Um, they beat Derby earlier this month at home, but then lost 2-0 at Cambridge in uh, in a Derby match fairly recently. So they're a really difficult team to, uh, to predict, Peterborough. Uh, but you would hope that playing a, a team that's kind of fairly open 
suit zip switch um suit zip switch more than than the type of game that we saw on tuesday night yeah yeah possibly they they seem to have they're hard to predict like ipswich ipswich are very easy to predict aren't they they won't always win necessarily although they have been recently but they they're consistent ipswich are very consistent peterborough not so but what they have got is a player who who scores goals and he's he's been doing it fairly regularly recently you know like mason from mason clark as well has been um been doing that for them recently too um and i think you're probably right i think i think it's a game that the ipswich will enjoy being a part of because they it's frankly impossible to imagine a peterborough team start suddenly finding the desire to just dig in and sit behind the ball it's just not them um, it's not how they've managed to. That's not how they've managed to play their way back into the um, into the promotion mm. area, it, promotion playoff picture again. That's not how they've done it, and it's not how they'll do it in this one. I don't think that's in their that's no. in their makeup at all. So um, I think it could be a really good game. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, yeah, obviously the clean sheet record has, has ended for Ipswich now, which will. Give Peterborough a bit of bit more hope with their their free scoring attack. You mentioned Clark Harris. That's a little battle going on there with with Connor Chaplin for the Golden Boot. So that's a little subplot going into this game. Jack Taylor, who's been playing a little bit more advanced recently, is clearly a player that Kieran McKenna is is very interested in. Has tried a few times, had bids knocked back for him. Multi million pound bids may well be someone they go for again in in the summer. So we'll. You know, is this another little sort of mini audition for him wanting to sort of impress? Um, yeah, Mason Clark, Poku, that's a good attack. But I, I think there's some vulnerability there. And certainly from from what I've read and the, the bits I've watched of Peterborough, you can you can get at them down the flanks. There's talk talk about those attacking wide players not giving the fullbacks um, much support defensively. So, yeah, you would hope... That you know, this is a, a game where Wes Burns is going to have a bit of space to operate in. We've seen how Ipswich can be so devastating on the counter attack at Bolton and, and Derby recently. Um, so yeah, feeling dare I say quietly confident, but just just looking forward to it as a game. You you asked about how how the nerves are. I'm still very much in the kind of excitement camp at the moment, and this team has earned our trust and earned our belief. And I think as much as, you know, we we keep referring to kind of the pain of the past and that kind of cynical, pessimistic nature of football fans where you kind of, if you if you fear the... What, what was the phrase you used in the podcast recently that your wife used about the... What was it? The, uh, Optimism is the root of all disappointment. Yeah, the, the, the different take on kind of... Um, uh, what was it? I've lost. Tra- um, What's the classic? Uh, hope. No, it's the hope that kills it's you. Hope that kills you. I hope that kills you. Um, I feel like we've kind of blown. This team has blown a lot of that sort of mentality away. I feel like they've they've passed enough tests and they've earned enough of our trust now to kind of to be riding the excitement train than than worrying about it all going wrong. So that's where I'm at. I think going yeah. into this one. Sounds like Peterborough have got a bit of an issue at right back as well. Nathan Thompson went off. Um, was it Accrington they were out on Tuesday night? Went off yeah. injured. That sounds like he'll be out for a little while. Got hobbled by Ethan Hamilton. Bit of a naughty tackle <laughs> by, all, by all accounts. By, by Ethan Hamilton? That doesn't sound... 
doesn't sound like Ethan Hamilton kind of behaviour at all. He played um, for Peterborough as well, didn't he? I think so. I think yeah. so. But that, I think that's both of their right their right backs ended up playing a centre. They're going to probably have to play a centre back out of right back as well. Yeah, so, or well, I think Ward can play there as well. He's he's tends to play more advanced, but that would either be a very attack minded right back in there or or a centre half playing out of position. Um, I think Ben Thompson's a mid midfielder who has played at right back earlier in the season as well. But yeah, it's not an ideal situation for them. So yeah, I, I feel like it switches wide players could be the key to uh, to success, kind of exploiting that that space in beti- in behind. Hopefully, and for Towner, I I would say probably the only discussion point regarding the team is the central striker again. You'd expect George Hurst to come back in, wouldn't you? I think I think that's probably what I would be doing. I think so. When we talk about sort of that that counter attack threat away from home, that has been Hurst being able to kind of keep pace with Wes Burns as he as he breaks away. Um, yeah, that's no knock on on Freddie's performance from from Tuesday night, but I'd imagine it will go back to George, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I... I think any central striker would have found it tough in that Port Vale. That Port Vale game, there just wasn't the space to to work. But I do think that once once Hurst came into the game, his movement a bit more opened opened things up a little bit more for others, um, and brought them brought them into the game. I, I, for me, I think it's in general going to settle back into the the Hurst Hurst from the start, Ladapo off the bench, and he look Freddie proved at the weekend that that that's a pretty important role to play if you because you, you're always going to get 25 minutes at least you'd think in a Kieran McKenna mm. team as a central striker off the bench so um yeah that's that's probably I can see I'd Caden think. Jackson getting a decent amount of minutes in this game given the circumstances that we've we've outlined that there could be some space in behind certainly down the flanks if it wasn't for the form of Chaplin and Broadhead, I might even have been throwing out a theory that this earlier in the season where Kieran would come up with this bespoke game plan that normally centred around bringing Caden Jackson in, into the side. But I just think this team is so bedded in at the moment. Um, he won't be wanting to change too much to that. Um, yeah, the, the the only fear going into every game at the moment is is how is Leif Davis and how is Nathan Broadhead two players that have had some little injury niggles. Um, Leif came off towards the end of the game on Tuesday. I'm pretty sure that will just be tactical. That was just a way to get another attacking player on in in Kyle Edwards. But he has had some little hamstring issues that he's been working through. Um, Nathan's obviously had an ankle knock that kept him out of the game at, at Cheltenham. Um, so let's just hope everybody's kind of recovered okay from from Tuesday night and it's good to go again. Yeah, I quite enjoyed the. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad Ipswich remembered. Um, I'm, look, this is that this is Kieran McKenna's job, and he would never not remember this. But I'm glad they kind of remembered that they'd taken off <laughs> the left back um, prior to the prior to the second goal. Johnny Janassian came on very very quickly after that for Broadhead and and Clark switched over to the left, didn't he? But um, that. That needed to be readdressed. Um, before we finish up, Stu, we we normally do some predictions. I feel nervous about doing predictions now. It feels too important, too important to do them. But I think we probably should. You're quietly, you're quietly confident. So what does that, what does that translate into? Um, 
Yeah, you're right. I don't know. Predictions feels a bit like tempting fate a little bit at the moment, but we've got to just uh, we've got to stick to it, haven't we? Um, two one Ipswich. That's that's where I was going to land as well. That would be um, that would be great um, if that could if that could happen. I just that place that place doesn't that place just doesn't feel like a, a good place for Ipswich London no, Road. Never won it, there in the no, league, have they? Never won doesn't... there in ninety minutes. I think the only victory there was was Barry Cotter's winning penalty in the uh, the Papa John's Trophy. But uh, yeah, it's not been a happy hunting ground, that's for sure. Kind of memories of the 7-1 under Paul Jewell. Um, we talked about the... I don't know what the state of the pitch is like at London Road at the moment, but um, it's different to going to, say, a Bolton or a Derby with a big a big sort of stadium feel to it, isn't it? It's um, I know I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. Yeah, just doesn't feel right. Right, anyway, I was about to, I was about to wrap things up, Stu, but there are... An odd-looking man has appeared in our our little green room here. Um, appears to be an American sports fan. Turn up in the uh, in the green room. I'll bring him in, and he can explain what on earth he's doing here. Hello, friends. How are you? Hi, mate. You look nice. How uh, how's the show been? <clears throat> yeah, it's been all right. We'll let the let, let the listeners be the judge. But I've had a wonderful time. Superb. I'm I'm sorry I've missed it. I look forward to listening to it um, later on when this is out. I'll watch it. And listen to it. Friends, um, I just thought I'd come on. I knew you were recording. <laughs> Something that really grinds my gears, boys. You know when, I don't know, four lads put together a podcast that gets moderate success, few national award nominations, that kind of thing, and they get really carried away with themselves and they bring out merch and then they start wearing it. It's just a bit sad, isn't it? Um, anyway, do you like my cap? <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get that? Well, interesting you should ask that, Hutchie, because uh, as you may have guessed or not, we've now got Kings of Anglia merch, our own shop. Um, so, yes, I'm sporting, shamelessly, the Kings of Anglia trucker cap. There you go. Got Kings of Anglia hoodie there as well. Very good value. Uh, and I've also just been supping my coffee out of a Kings of Anglia travel coffee mug, which, yes, I am at home. But travelling upstairs is quite a journey for me at the moment, so I have to get my coffee in this ther- uh, insulated thermal coffee mug. Yours for just fifteen ninety nine at the KOA merch shop. So there we go, boys. I'm so glad you're here. I've been I've been wearing two hoodies for the duration <laughs> of this podcast. Hang on a second. I've been looking forward to this moment. See if you can been... do this with a bit of class. There oh, we go. It. Look at that. Come on, then. I'll join you. That happens. That happened smoother than you were expecting, didn't it? There Steve? we go. Look at that. So Watson is sporting the men's premium KOA T-shirt, very large logo. Can be no doubts. Now he's getting the guns out as well. And Hutchie, I just want to give the merch its full full display. There we go. Hutchie, like me, is sporting the uh, the KOA premium hoodie, and also the contrast colour mug. Hutchie, how's that working out for you? It's very nice. It's just got cold water in it, but it's very nice. <laughs> it's nice though, isn't it? Well, it's is a blue handle. Pretty decent. So yeah, I, obviously I've jumped on friends to uh, trumpet somewhat, and there's a snapback that that Stewie's got, which put it I on sideways. Him, I got him in error. <laughs> mm. 
I don't. I don't feel I'm the demographic for one of these. I I was after just a standard cap, but you have got me the. Uh... Yeah, I, I'm sure you said snapback, but um, there we no. go. I'll get. I'll get you. I'll get you. <laughs> That's how you should wear it as well. Anyone who buys a snapback has to wear it like that. Um, I'll get you a proper hat. You can maybe get one of these trucker hats, like uh, Stewie. So yeah, boys. Obviously, the serious message here is we have finally got round to launching our own Kings of Anglia merch shop. Um, we'll, we'll share the link via all our social medias. And tomorrow for the weekend, a long weekend, there will be a twenty percent off offer to launch it. So essentially, what you've got, you've got hoodies, you've got t-shirts, you've got hats, you've got mugs, and you've got a few other little things beside. Dog bandana. That's what I want to see. Dogs wearing the KOA badge. There we go, boys. That's, that's it's good quality the, uh... as well, isn't yeah. it? We were, yeah, it's um the printing quality on it is uh is decent. I yeah. was pleasantly I... surprised when our, our first batch arrived. Me too. I was I was I was pleased because obviously we didn't want to sell, we wouldn't have sold anything which wasn't decent quality. Um so there we go. Different There's... different colors as well, isn't there? You can pick yeah, you it's can not choose. Just, it doesn't have to be just got, blue. We've all got blue, but Ross has got some nice black stuff that looks yeah. quite smart, and and obviously burgundy. He is Mister Burgundy as well, so he's, he's got a burgundy T-shirt. There's options on there on on the website. You can you can choose numerous colors to wear with the badge. But the main thing is, we thought it'd be nice for people to show the support for the show. Um, decent quality clubber, well priced. Get yourself a hat or a mug or even a hoodie if you fancy it. They are decent quality. Get the badge in. That's the shout. And there's Hutchie just punctuating it with a little sip from the KOA contrast mug, blue and white. Be, Very nice. I'll be holding this now for every video <laughs> we do. Like a like a like a racing driver who always makes sure his watch gets shown or yeah. speedway riders always hold their water bottle or and stuff. I'll be just here. The inspiration for this this scene, you probably oh well, I know you wouldn't have seen it, Hutchie, but in Wayne's World 2, there's a there's a famous scene where um it's about product placement. And it starts, I think it's with Garth wearing a Reebok hat. And then uh, Wayne drinks from Pepsi and goes, ah, the choice for a new generation. <laughs> and the whole scene is around them clearly being sponsored to uh, have these products in the movie. So there we go. We're not being sponsored. We're just trying to flog you some merch. But it is good quality stuff, uh, as I say. Um, Do we have nice. to wear this to games now? Is this how I yep. have to turn up? I've at, told you, Stu. You've, got to, wear that to, you've got to wear that to press conferences, especially the hat backwards at press conferences. Um, and Hutchie, I expect to see you wearing your hoodie at all times on town business. Town business, yeah. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Ross will be wearing his, his burgundy t shirt, I'd imagine, most of the time. If we can get some three stripes stuff <laughs> on the sleeves, it'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, there we go, boys. That was it. The um, the link will be in the socials by the time you've listened to this or watched this. Um, as I say, 20% off offer starting tomorrow morning, running across the weekend. Um, so yeah, pick yourself up. Whatever you fancy, really, it's decent club, and it's uh, it'd be nice to see a few hats and mugs and whatnot. Maybe tag us in on on socials. Um, support the show. We know you enjoy it. There you go, boys. Have you talked about Fabio Wardley fighting at Portman Road? No. Shall I mention that? Is it going to happen? Yes or no? I think it might happen. The the big question is whether or not. Well, there's a lot of hurdles to overcome. And I've written a piece around this. First of all, there's the purse bid for the fight against Fraser Clark. He's an Olympic bronze medalist. It is a big fight. Um, there's a purse bid for that on May the 10th. It's basically where promoters bid for the right to stage the fight. They have to submit a sealed bid to the British Board of uh, Control, British Boxing Board of Control. And then basically whoever's bid the most wins. Um, so we need Eddie Hearn to win that bid, being as he's Fab's promoter and has already been, obviously, at Portman Road chatting to Mark Ashton about the possibility. Um, and then if he does that, then that's kind of one hurdle cleared. The next hurdle would be the logistics of it, would be 
clearly we know that town are installing a, a state-of-the-art pitch over the summer and the last thing you're going to want to do is put a boxing ring on that once it's been installed plus obviously cover the the pitch and put seats on it and stuff for people to walk on and sit on and all that kind of stuff so i can't see it happening in the summer um because that would seem quite a rash decision when you spent millions on a new pitch and then immediately put a, a huge heavy boxing ring and have thousands of people walking on it um but i do think it might be an option for the autumn um watch this space obviously the weather then becomes a bit of an issue with a without a roof on a on a stadium uh, and the other issue is is how many tickets it will sell because clearly it would need to do a lot of numbers to make portman road a viable option but we never know fab is fab is a very popular guy he's got a big fan base we know he's um, got a lot of fans in the Ipswich town fan base and i'm sure they'd turn out in their numbers and i think the idea of having this sort of fight with an Ipswich heavyweight defending his British title against an Olympic medalist at Portman Road is something I never, ever thought would happen. And it kind of fits the the narrative, doesn't it, at the moment of town obviously exploding in the right direction. And then Fabio's having this incredible kind of career, which no one saw coming. His story is amazing. And, and to think that he could headline a show at Portman Road wearing Ipswich Town colours and the badge to the ring and defending his, his British title, which is one of the most prestigious belts in boxing, would be amazing. Um, and clearly, hopefully, once he's done it once, if it happens, and I'm still kind of 50-50 just around the, the pure demand and logistics of putting it on, it could happen again and again because, obviously, the more fights he wins he, as he moves up towards world title level, the bigger fights he's in, they become stadium fights again. And hopefully, we get to see a few of him. Two times we've been fighting at Portman Road because I know... Mark Ashton and, and Ipswich Town are bang up for it. It's just about trying to work work it out around this new pitch and the various logistics that I've mentioned. What are his next steps, right? So he's got his, he's got the British title. He's defending that. Yeah. What's what's his? Say it doesn't happen this time, but he mm-hmm. has to have this fight and wins it. Yeah. Then what? What's... Well, he wants to he wants to win the British title outright. So the British title, if you've seen, is um, a very famous belt. It's a the really Lonsdale nice, belt? The Lonsdale belt. It's a really nice, yeah. very, very attractive belt made of gold and it's got um, pictures of various past champions on it. And to win, once you're the British champion, to win that belt out, outright, or you, get, you get to keep it, which is a fairly impressive bit of kit to have. You have to defend it three times. So this would be his first defence and he's been told he has to fight Fraser Clark by the, uh, the British Boxing Board of Control. Uh, and then there's two other guys, once he's fought Clark and assuming he beats him, which is not a by no means a, a kind of... Uh, something that will definitely happen, a formality, because Clark's a, a good guy, big pedigree. If he beats Fraser Clark, then he'll have to defend it two more times. And they were probably against Solomon Dakers, who's the English champion, and also um, David Adelaide, who is a prospect who's not really beaten anyone, but has knocked out a lot of people and has a big mouth. And is A prospect like Ross. <laughs> well, yeah, I, mm, I wouldn't fancy Ross in a fight against David Adelaide, um, to be honest, although I would pay to see it. Um, because as we all know, Ross, Ross fancies himself in a fighting situation. He's told us so many times, I can get a bit scrappy when I need to. Um, <laughs> well, maybe so... we can get him on the undercard. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's, we're in an era of YouTube boxing, aren't we? So if they need... <laughs> I mean, I, I would definitely buy a ticket to watch Ross fight David Adelaide on the undercard, or indeed anyone on the undercard. Um, there we go. And it, it, they might come calling your way, boys, because obviously you're the big the big names. You're following... Get, get Stu and Andy on the card and maybe a tag team boxing match. Oh, please don't start this as a conversation. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, the main... you're, you're our nominated fighter. If uh, well, yeah, if that ever comes up, we'll see. Once my knees back to back to wheelchair uh, boxing, speed. is that a thing? Yeah, it is a thing. There is, yeah, there is oh, wheelchair yeah. boxing. So who knows? But um, yeah, it is exciting. It's exciting times, certainly around Ipswich Town, certainly around Fabio Wardley to see Eddie Hearn. You know, kind of the preeminent box uh, promoter in boxing, standing in the middle of the Portman Road pitch with Mark Ashton and Fabio. It's pretty crazy when you consider all, what all of this. If you yeah. have outlined all of this scenario to us, even yeah. what two years ago, three years ago, it yeah. just would have seemed laughable. Like Ed Sheeran, Fabio Wardley, yeah. everything that's going on on and off the pitch. It's um, yeah, I. We have to not get blasé about this. This is um, these are exciting times. They are indeed, and obviously, if you want to be part of these exciting times and look good, get yourself some KOA merch. <laughs> uh, there we go. I- I'll leave you to it now, boys. Um, I just wanted to come on and shamelessly plug our new merch, which is brilliant, good value, and available now. Mate, we- we're done. Do you want to do the oh. outro? You're much better at. We'd re- we'd reached our natural endpoint. Can you do the outro for us, please? Of seeing course. As- yeah. Seeing as you're here. Absolutely. Have you plugged the sponsors? No. Well, obviously, we want you to support our sponsors. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all that excellent clobber. Weed Whacker 2.0 now available. Get yourself one of those. We saw Andy demonstrate it. There is now an image on the internet, Andy, of you with two weed whackers shoved up your nostrils. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going away, is it? Great. <laughs> so feel free to use that image in however you want to do it, KOA Army. We want to see some memes maybe with that image. No, we don't. Yes, we do. Um, so use the code but, carry it, but also don't neglect the burrito picture because oh, no, absolutely. I've not seen one of those for a while, and, and they are my absolute favorite, guaranteed yeah. to cheer up my day. Uh, that is a stone cold classic. And obviously, if you find pictures of Watson that make lend themselves to a meme, feel free, yeah, less so, yeah, <laughs> less so. And also, we want you to support our other sponsor, Ginger Pickle. Use um, use the code Ginger Pickle. No, you don't use the code Ginger Pickle. You search for Ginger Pickle on Google if you want help with your Google ads, your ranking, your uh, search optimization, all that kind of stuff. SEO, um, Tony Southgate and the boys at Ginger Pickle are the guys to help you there. And obviously, as I've just said, if you want to get yourself some of our KOA clobber, I've barely mentioned it since coming on. Um, there will be links all over the place on our socials. So go and get yourself some of that. Take advantage of that 20% off code this weekend and get yourself clobbered up for the running. Right then, friends, I've not been part of this show, so I can't say what we've talked about, but I assume we've touched on the win on Tuesday night. I assume we've previewed Posh and we have also introduced KOA merch to the world several times. Have a great weekend. If you're going to the game, follow it. Uh, enjoy it. If you're not, follow it with us. Um, and we'll be back next week to talk to you in more depth. And I promise we won't be wearing all this clobber, at least not all of it. Bye, friends.